Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Claptrap. We've got an interesting one for you today. I brought in Coach Kamire to talk things. All Ime Odoka and the Celtics, and then we're going to also get into the Patriots as well. But I got to start off with Ime. I got to start off with the Celtics. That's the big thing uh, in the news cycle right now. But first of all, Coach, thank you for coming back onto the show. I appreciate it as always. Secondly, did you think that we were going to be at this point in the Celtics offseason where we're wondering now, I mean, we, we don't have a coach, basically. Everything's uh, going crazy. How are you feeling about everything with the Celtics right now? I mean, I just feel like kind of like a dingus right now. For <laughs> I was I was talking about how great Ime was the last time I was on. I was like, oh, this dude got us to the NBA Finals 2-1. Like, this dude, like, did all these amazing things to get us to this point. And now it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't know who the interim head coach is going to be, who the next guy is going to be. I don't know if he's getting fired, if he's getting a five-game suspension, or he's getting banged the whole year. I don't know what you know what to think right now. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're keeping it pretty vague right now. I mean, obviously, we've heard a lot of different stories, what it could be. I've heard it's multiple women. I've heard it's one uh, specific one. I've heard it's like the, the female president. I, I, I've heard all these crazy different rumors. But if you haven't heard, uh, Ime Odoka is – I believe with the weird statement that they finally put out on social media and stuff last night, they are officially suspending him for the season, but I don't know. Like, yeah. So what, yeah. So that seems to be the case. Uh, and like I said, if you haven't heard about it already, it's basically he's being suspended for conduct detrimental to the team. And it's all based around a, what is being termed as consensual relationship with someone inside the organization. So uh, most likely a female in the organization with some, uh, you know, job title that we don't really know yet, because like I said, they're, they're keeping it very vague and you've heard, or you've probably seen all over the social media universe, every single person that could be, because everyone's a, uh, a, a Twitter, um, you know, Sherlock Holmes trying to find out who exactly the the female it was or whoever the relationship was with. We don't really know what's going on. My first thought when when all of this started to go down was because it immediately was was thrown out there that he's going to be suspended for the entire year, which I thought was crazy when you first hear it on face value. Like, OK, I get it. It's a, it's messed up to do the, uh, you know, in in organization relationship and everything like that. But it's being called a consensual relationship. So I don't know. There's from what we've heard so far, there's no funky business going on. I feel like there has to be something else, right, that we're missing, that we're not being told. Because how do you just go from zero to 60 like that and immediately he's gone for the entire season? So I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I, I, obviously, this is all speculation from everybody right now because we don't have physical evidence of, of anything going on were you surprised when you heard that, that it was for an entire year that they're going to be suspending him for yeah i mean when you hear the term consensual relationship like even if like you know you're dating somebody in the workplace and it's against company policy or whatever i mean i think they would just tell you to like hey like make sure this doesn't go on while you're in the workplace don't be saying anything or making it look or giving any indication that you guys right. are doing something like that in the workplace or whatever, you know, I think that's, you know, you know, the, the extent of it. When, when you hear, you know, he's getting suspended for the whole year. I think it leads us to believe without them saying, you know, anything that it was either uh, a woman felt that she was either being forced into this relationship or that she felt like she was being, you know, maybe, sexually assaulted through either verbal things that he was saying or physical things that he was doing. I don't know. You know, so like this also, on the other hand, could be a situation that we see happen to a lot of, you know, men these days. And it's, and I'm just going to put it out there and it's, you know, if it's the man and a woman doing something wrong, right. They may say they should, weren't supposed to be, you know, at all, like having any interaction towards each other you know, in the workplace at all, right? And, you know, they both get caught. And the girl says, oh, but he made me do it, or he said this, or he did this. And 
even if the guy says, oh, I didn't do that. It was consensual. It was like, you know, this and that. Who are people going to believe? You yeah, know I mean, what I mean? I, and, and, I, and I think it's like, it's just the way society is, you know, nowadays. And it's, I think the girl that probably is, you know, trying to save her own ass, which, you know, she probably should, you know, she's probably looking at her own career and being like, well, this is going to ruin me if I, you know, come out and say, you know, I, I did this or whatever. And, you know, now we're both going to get fired or whatever. If, but if I say like, oh, he was doing this or made me do X, Y, and Z. Now I can save my own job at the expense of email's career. Yeah, no, it's, I think that ever since and you kind of nailed it, I think ever since the whole Me Too movement and everything with that, which I think is something that was necessary, obviously, especially in like the Hollywood world and all that kind of stuff, because that was true scumbags doing some terrible things there. I think that yeah. that's just where everybody goes to at this point, right, with, with these kind of situations. And and like you said, you don't know, we, we don't have any evidence right now that's hardcore, and maybe it'll come out later on today, and, you know, all of these points that we make will be moot. But, uh, you know, we don't know what's going on, so you can only speculate what it could be. And it could be something like that. It could be something where, you, you know, it was uh, he said, she said kind of situation. And now all of a sudden the, the team is looking at it like we can't have this kind of stuff getting out. you got to be suspended for at least a year. Or it could be a power dynamic thing where it's like he's the head coach. And so any relationship, even if she was, in, you know, it was consensual and she was fine with it. He looks like he's up here. She's down here. So you can't even tell whether or not it was something that was forced on her or whatever, regardless of what she says. Also, we don't know the ages, right? We could be dealing with like a cheerleader who's like a 23-year-old girl and he's a 47-year-old or whatever he is, man. And, I, you know, that that looks different to people as opposed to if it was a, a woman who's, you know, closer to his age, late 30s, early 40s or something like that, because that seems more realistic, right? So I don't know. I mean, it's all terrible. Obviously, he's cheating on his wife, Nia Long, which, you know... Anybody who knows who that is, you call Ime stupid for doing that anyways, because who's going to cheat on that girl? But yeah, yeah I don't... Uh, now I'm I don't know if they're actually married. I think they're like 12 year old relationship or something, but I don't think they are officially married or whatever. OK, okay. Um, or maybe they're engaged and just never got married or something. I That's what I read like the that. other day uh, or separated or, or something. Yeah, like. Yes, exactly. Like, I, you know, we don't know the extent of Ime's, like, you know, romantic relationships or anything. Right. Um, but the fact that he is doing some sort of a, you know, sketchy, right. whatever you want to call it, you know, inside the workplace here, it's it, it leads us to speculate, like, who who could the girl be? Or, or does that even matter? But it's like, to me, it's like, it, it does matter a little bit. If it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like you said, if it's like the, you know, the college intern that's, you know, just hopped on is like her first right. like, experience is like, you know, like on an NBA team or whatever. And he may yeah. just like taking advantage of a situation like that. That looks really bad. Or if it's like, you know, a, you know, it, you know, we'll say like a, a, a groomed staff member who's been on the, on the roster or like been around the NBA for years and years and years or whatever. You know, and it's just something consensual. I don't think that would be as made out to be a big of big of a deal right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now that's why I think that there's got to be another shoe to drop. We don't know the whole thing because there's no way you just jump to an immediate uh, full year suspension. This this kind of stuff goes on all over the NBA, all over professional sports, oh, and you yeah. don't see. You usually don't see guys just immediately getting the the one-year suspension they usually get a little bit of leeway now eventually they probably will get fired or let go or their contract won't be renewed or whatever it is just because it's easier for the team to distance themselves in most of these situations and once again we don't know what's going on with the email doka situation we don't fully know we just kind of are hearing he's going to get suspended more information will come out but it's just crazy to think that they immediately jump to that one-year suspension uh and it's crazy to think that if it is that bad they're not just going to fire him right away you know so i don't know what kind of stuff could come out that could be a middle ground where it's like well yeah we it's not bad enough that we needed to fully fire him but it's bad enough where we need to spend him for a complete season i don't i just i can't understand i can't wrap my head around what what it could possibly be that could bring them to that moment so now we're in a situation where like you said, we're going to bring in an interim coach. He's going to be, I, I think, the guy that they're they're naming is a, uh, a, a 
local guy from like Rhode Island or something like that. He's been a college coach and things of that nature. So we're going to get to answer the question, I guess, this season of does the coach really matter? You said you were, you know, pumping up his, uh, his praise and everything like that. The last time you were on this whole situation is going to make things a lot harder for this Celtics team overall. Are you worried right out the gate that this is going to cause a problem for this team in this season, I, I mean, it's got it, right? I mean, yeah, I think the biggest thing that Ime brought to us, other than the things that he brought in on the court, which is obviously great defense and, you know, like just like, uh, you know, he was a good presence on the court, I think. Just like, you know, having that good presence on the court is important for you guys, for, for the team. But I think the biggest things that he brings inside the locker room is like he almost like unified – that locker room in a way that Brad Stevens couldn't when Brad Stevens was the coach, you know, like he may like he, you know, Tatum loved him. And you know what I mean? Like the whole team could kind of rally around what he was preaching. And it's like, like I said, last time, it's like, if you have a coach in there, who's like, like I said, like a Brad Stevens and he's really smart and everything, you can win games like that. But when it comes down to crunch time, when you really need the team most, you know what I mean? Like our, our dude's going to run through a wall for Brad Stevens Probably not. But for someone like Ime Udoka, I think that was that X factor that he brought where, where guys felt like, you know, we're a part of something bigger. And now, like, like for this coach, I'm going to lay it all on. I'm going to run through a wall for this guy because, you know, I, I love him and I trust him and that's my guy. And now when something like this happens and, you know, you lose that trust, you know, and you lose that, like, you know, the, you know it was this guy that you thought was like, okay, like, this is exactly what we're looking for. Like, this is the team unity we needed. And now it's, like, that's been ripped from you. And now you have, like, different, you know, uh, some bad taste in your mouth with coaches in general. Mm-hmm. And then they, they have to bring in this interim coach who maybe was on the team last year and this and that. Uh, it doesn't have, didn't have as much of a role in the, in the you know, the vocal aspect of, like, talking in front of the team and everything like that. And now you have this new guy in front of you, new face. It's, like, I can definitely see a Jalen Brown, a Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart even just kind of just zoning this guy out and being like, listen, you're not Eme. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not even Brad. Like, I watch right. who who are you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and that and that's just and that's just the sad reality of sports and coaching is like if you lose the if you don't have that uh that trust or like that, uh if you can't give the players like that time that type of uh unity or whatever uh you're you're not going to get the most out of them i think i think it's going to be you're going to be trying to pull teeth to try to get that same energy that we had towards the end of last season uh where Ime was you know kind of naturally uh giving that to us yeah yeah you need the buy-in i've always said it with coaches you need the buy-in as soon as you don't have that things go out the window they're, I can't picture them having any buy-in with this random college coach that they're going to bring in. And and you mentioned that we don't even know, like, we haven't seen this guy. We don't know what he's going to be all about. Apparently he was okay as a D2 college coach, but now he's going to be jumping into professional athletes. Some of the best players, Tatum, one of the best athletes in the world in his sport. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get him to listen uh, or any of them to listen, but uh, I, from what I've heard, I think that they brought him back in this, this coach possibly back in like June or something like that. So this is gotta be something that they either knew was coming down the line, unless they were just setting him up to be an assistant coach. Maybe they knew something was coming down the line. Who knows? Uh, I do know that there's been reports out there that somebody higher up in the organization went to email and was like, Hey man, I see what you're doing. You got to cut this stuff out. And yet it continued to go on apparently. So if that's the case, then that's that's big on Ime to not understand. And you're supposed to be a leader of men and and do as I do, you know, do as I say, all that kind of stuff. And then over here, you're just not listening to the words of the higher ups, or you're you're letting this kind of thing uh, ruin what could be a possible championship season. So now we're going into a year where you and I both agreed it's finals or bust before the Ime Odoga stuff. Do you feel the same way right now, now that you're knowing that you're not going to have your head coach? Do you think that this is still finals or bust? Or where have you changed your opinions on where this team should be at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, like, Brad, like, you're the, you're the, you're the dude who's running all this right now. So it's like, 
to me, it's like you made a great switch up last year where you went and became the GM and, you know, and Iudoka was the coach. I thought that was like that brought us to that next step. That brought us to that next level of being in the NBA Finals, winning the Eastern Conference. It's like this year I was like, I was like, okay, now it's like we're, we have to go to the Finals and win the Finals now. Like that's the only logical next step. And now it's like we're at this point where it's like, like, and I, to me, it feels like we have no choice but to take a step back because of the whole way this whole thing has gone down. It's like it's it's to me. It's like it, it's like how are we supposed to succeed as an organization when up top you don't even know how to handle this situation that's going on right now? It's like if there was a way to keep Ime as our head coach this season, if this doesn't turn out to be something insane. I think the blame has to be on Brad Stevens. If this is just a consensual relationship in the worst organization, you're banging the guy for the whole year. This is like, this is horrible on Brad. This is horrible on the Celtics president. This is horrible for the organization. If, if it's not something like groundbreaking, when this all comes out, it's all said and done. The, the smoke clears that this isn't something like, like he did something real freaking bad. I'm going, I'm going to be personally, you know, uh, having a huge, you know, distaste for for Brad Stevens, the Celtics right now, because it's, you know, what I mean, this could have been prevented. This could have been something smaller than it is. Then I think we should have tried to, you know, do that. This could have been like, you know, a two week suspension or, or or something. Like this could have been something small. Uh, to bang guy for a whole year, it's got to be something. It's got to be something big. So gotta to be. me, right now, I mean, what 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 it's going to turn into for the Celtics? I mean. I, it's too early to tell until we know like, exactly who the coach is and, you know, how the players are going to respond to this. Is like, you know, are our guys going to want out? You know what I mean? If I'm a Jason Tatum, if I'm a Jalen Brown, like, and, and it's someone like a Jalen Brown who's, you know, being shopped around in the offseason, talked about this and that, like, you know, he, maybe like, oh, if we trade him for Durant, maybe we can, you know, make this next jump. And then something like this happens where, like, your you know, your head coach is – you know, getting suspended for the whole year. I'm going to turn around and look at the organization. I'll be like, give you the middle finger and be like, yo, like what, 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 what are, what are we doing here, man? Like, get me out of here. Let me, send me anywhere you want. Now I don't want anything, any part of what's going on here, you know? So it's, it's going to be all about how the players responding to it and how the organization is handling this. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's going to be something that's just uh, turmoil and something that's a speed bump or whatever, however you want to look at it in the way of the players who already were, you know, in a tough situation last season, midway, you know, almost midway through the season, they were looking like a terrible team that couldn't pull their stuff together. And then Ime Odoka seemed to have bring them out, brought them out of that. So he's got to be a huge part of it. You know how I feel about it, though, personally. I don't think that Ime Odoka made any kind of huge difference. I think it was more about these teams, this team maturing. So my my opinion of this team has not actually changed. I still think that this should be a finals or bust team. This is a finals or bust roster. Yes, if you want to say that the coach was going to put you over the top for being an actual championship winning team, then we can talk about that. But this is still a championship roster. They have the pieces. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about that. Do you feel that way after the whole way we, we handled the, the Robert Williams injury here too? Well, that's like if I look at the organizational thing, I look at like Brad Stevens and I look at, you know, Celtics organization again. It's like if I'm if I'm someone like Jalen Brown, it's like, all right, like we had a player who's really good, possibly a defensive MVP candidate, a starting center in this league and anywhere. Um, And and he obviously played for us in the playoffs when we needed him to and like you know made all these sacrifices to try to get back and then to wait until what? Uh, less right. than a month before the season starts to get surgery just to get the surgery now and miss four to yeah. six weeks plus like and you don't even know how long it's going to take for him to actually see court time you probably don't even mm. see this guy until like late january if i had to make a guess you probably yeah. don't even see this guy until late january you don't um, know how you're going to recover from it so, so yeah so that to me that hurts your team big time in the first half of the year you don't have your best setter and then you're already hearing that Al Horford is only going to play, uh, not going to play any back-to-backs. Right. So it's like, who's playing center for the Celtics? Am I, are we going to put Luke Cornett out there? Like, <laughs> it's, it's it, to me, it looks bad. It looks really, really, like, this all has happened this week. It was yeah. like they waited till this week to be like, 
oh, like, yeah, Lob's going to be out for, like, three months. And, by the way, we lost our head coach for the whole year. Like, so, Not good. Like, Not that's good. really bad. I, I, would be, I would be happy right now if this team even made the playoffs. The green goo is coming back into the body. It's not seeping out anymore. This is a uh, tough Last times. week it was seeping out. Two weeks ago, whenever we had the last one, man, it was seeping out. I was I was all pumped up. I was ready to go. This mm-hmm. all happened the last week. Yeah, this is this <laughs> is tough. Real bad. It's uh yeah, it's a tough situation. And uh, yeah, I was gonna say that the the Rob Williams things is making everything worse. We obviously know how that was. He didn't need to play in that that series against the Brooklyn Nets, as we know. He ended up pushing it in that one. Does that make things worse? Uh, then, yeah, like you said, waiting this long to get the surgery and get back to a recovery state doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, it, it, it's frustrating all around. I still, at the end of the day, think that this team is good enough to make a championship run. And so I'm going to stick with that for now. We're going to see how the coach really affects things. Maybe you guys are right. Maybe the coach is really going to affect things for it. I, I got to stick with my uh, opinion that the coaching doesn't really matter still. And uh, as long as this team is good enough, they should be able to make it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get to finally answer that question right away. But I just do hope, uh, and lastly to say about this, I, I hope that, uh, you know, a cheating scandal for Ime Odoka that's going to keep him out a year, I think I hope that he can come back the way that Alex Cora came back for the Red Sox after his major cheating scandal and come back and be a coach for the, the Celtics again in the future. Is that what you're hoping for as well? Do you want this this guy to come back and coach this team, or do you think that he's now – it's too far gone and they're not going to bring him back at this point. Like I said, for, for them to spend him the whole year, like this has to be something like really, right. really bad. And if it's Got something it. really, really bad, if it's something really, really bad, like doing something really, you know, and we could probably, I'm not going to say anything, but you know, there's a lot of things he probably could have done that were really, really bad. Oh yeah. Uh, if this is really, really bad, then no, I don't want him as a Celtics coach mm-hmm. again. Like, I can't, you know. But if this is something that's lame, if this is something that's like he was just dating, like you know, right. the, the 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 ball girl or something, I don't even know. Whatever. Uh, like, or even like you said, if he's dating a cheerleader who's like maybe a little younger or whatever. To me, I'm like, all right, yeah, you suspend the guy for a couple months and let him come back. Like, right. I mean, we're, let's be real here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he's dating like a staff member. Like, and, and you know what I mean? It was just like they were having a consensual relationship. Like, I think you maybe you just been, all right, slap on the wrist. You get like, you know, two months vacation here, you know, <laughs> and then you come back and then you, and then, you know, you, 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 we play basketball. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's how I feel. And it's like, if, if, if it's not something crazy, this man does not deserve to be suspended for the whole year and doesn't deserve to be fired. He doesn't deserve to have to resign. You know what I mean? I think we, we should hundred percent have him back. Yeah. Now, if it's, if, if it's something to that level, that next level, then we no. can all paint a picture and you know, we, uh, there's a billion different speculations out there. Then, then yeah, like, you know, we can't have him back. He's, a, you know, he's obviously disturbed the team uh, to a great extent and, you know, made us a worse team uh, than we were a week ago. Yep, wouldn't be able to have that, and uh, you hope that that's not the case. In all honesty, you hope that it's something very minor, and they just felt like they needed to show face because of, like we said, the Me Too stuff and all that kind of stuff. It's like you want to go way over the top on the punishment just because you're like, listen, we don't let this kind of stuff go down. So maybe that's the case, and hopefully that is, but you don't know. All I'm saying is, like, I I was I saw some tweet the other day, and it was like Gilbert Arenas, like, 49 games bringing a gun in the locker room. That's another true. guy got like another guy got like 60 games for choking out their head coach. Yep. So I was just like, this this has to be for some, for some point a whole age of games. Like he may must have had like this girl with like a gun to her head saying that it sounds you know like it. I mean? Like sounds that, like that's it. that's the level it has to be at to me. Like it has to be something crazy. Well, you know, hopefully that's not the case. Um but either way, it's all unprofessional, and it's very selfish of of E-May to even put the team in this situation. So it's it's frustrating on all levels. It's frustrating from the team side. It's frustrating from Ime Odoka's side. Everybody seems to be in the wrong. It's all being handled incorrectly. And so uh, that's that's the worst part about all this at the end of the day. But um, we got to switch it up. We, we got to switch it up. We can't, can't talk all negative and bad today. We got to talk about a team that actually just won, and that's a team in the New England Patriots who just beat – the Steelers, 
uh, came back and, and got themselves a one and one record going into a big week against the Ravens. But just to kind of go over a little bit of the Pittsburgh stuff really quickly, obviously it was a lower scoring game. We thought that it was going to be that knockdown drag out battle. I think we, everyone on the planet thought that it was going to be that way. Ends up being a 17 to 14 win. I got to say also, it's it was a little iffy. It was bumpy throughout. You had moments where, I mean, obviously late in the game, Mac Jones almost threw it, the easiest interception of all time. It gets dropped. Then you have that punt that goes uh, right off Gunnar Olszewski's face, and you get the ball back. That completely kind of flipped the game. At that moment, you're up 10-6, to 6, about to give the ball back to the Steelers. They seem to have momentum. You switched it up right there. You're able to score, go up 17-6. to 6. And you know how the rest of the game went. Were you were you happy with the overall uh, you know game for the Patriots? Were, were, are you feel like they're building towards something better right now? Are you worried at all that the offense still looked pretty crappy? And if it wasn't for that that situation there, that things you know might not have gone the same way. Where are you at with it after a win? I know we're high off the win, but how are you feeling about the team right now? Listen, the Patriots are bad. They are horrible, but. They're getting better. It's true. Okay. It's true. The Steelers really suck. Yeah. I mean, I watched the Steelers play the freaking Browns last night. And the Browns uh-huh. lost to the Jets, and yeah. the Browns beat the Steelers. So that's where levels are at right now. So, right. Uh, so technically, the Jets are better than the Steelers and better than the Browns. So, right. you know, yeah. if we're just connecting all the dots. So, <laughs> um, to me, like, yeah, we were really, really, really bad right now. Like, we're, yeah. you know, we're horrible. We're, yeah. we're terrible. We're not good at football. But, we were better than we were in week one. And that True. was my point uh, to what I made two weeks ago is that this team is going to be a team that is going to consistently get better throughout the season and not worse throughout the season, I think. So, yes, it was bad. Like, Mac didn't look great. You know, the running game was eh. And, like, you know, we made uh, a lucky throw down the right sideline of Nelson Aguilar to, that won us the game. Um, yeah. Yep. A lucky True. throw. A lucky throw. True. A lucky catch. Like it was like we're not who who's throwing it up to Nelson Aguilar being like that's a 50-50 ball guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I right. mean that was that he, was a questionable throw, a questionable decision. Like he mossed him, but Devontae Parker, even if it's Devontae Parker, I'm questioning it. Like that's that's right. that's just a not a great, you know what I mean? We're just taking yeah. a one-on-one fade down the right sideline and hoping for the best. I um, hate that. Hate that. Yeah, it's it's not good football. So nope. um yeah, like I wasn't impressed by anything that Mac did last week. I mean, he, like you said, he had the near turnover. Uh, you know, we had we got lucky when the ball went off us in the end zone. They didn't mm-hmm. pick it up for a touchdown. Luckily, we, we ended up falling on it for a touchback inches away. Uh, you know, oh. so it was, it, it was, you know, and, and like you said, Gunnar Ojeski made the best play for the Patriots that he made in three years. Uh, <laughs> you know, he got, he got us a win, man. Like, he literally <laughs> – he literally yeah. got us to win. He's never done that before. So I was great like, job. Uh, yeah. So I was like, great job, Gunner, man. Like, this is why we drafted you or, nope. or picked you up or whatever, you yeah. know? So, um, you know, yeah. It, like, to me, like, yeah, the team's still building and it's still not, you know, the running game looked better from week one to week two. Like, I thought we ran the ball a little better than we did. It wasn't anything like mind blowing. We didn't have like, you know, uh, you know, 150 yard rushing and two touchdown game for Damian Harris, like everybody wants him to. Right. Or right. even Ramondre didn't do anything that crazy. Like they just had like solid games. You know yeah. what I mean? Which I think, hopefully, if my theory is correct, and we keep getting better throughout the season because we have really good coaching. Is that you know each week we get a little bit better? Now, do I think we're going to go and beat the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow uh, on Sunday? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Ooh. All right, I believe in Bill. I think we're going to absolutely beat the Baltimore Ravens, man. I think that uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, you just lost the Miami Dolphins. We lost the Miami Dolphins. So I think that puts us and the Ravens in pretty much the same category. Uh, you know, they, it was uh, it was obviously it took everything out of Tua and Tyree Kill to, bring, to successfully come back in that game. We don't have uh, a Tua, a Tyree Kill, or a uh, Jalen Waddle to throw the ball to. But um, I think it proves that the that the Ravens are susceptible to being to to giving up large leads and everything, and that to me that should prove that they're not a very good team. The only thing being is that the Ravens put up a lot of points. Now this would be the week I look at Mac Jones and I look at you know the Patriots offense and be like, listen, 
they're going to put up at least 20, we'll say 21 points. I would say it would be the bare minimum that this team is probably going to put up against this next week. So can the Patriots put up 28? Can the Patriots put up a 30 spot? Can like this is this is the message that I would be going in this week. It's like, hey, if we want to win this game, this is the number that we at least the bare minimum number that we need to hit this week. We need to at least score 24 to 28 points first to even be in the game. Right. So the defense played well last week. I think that was the shining spot of the whole team is the defense. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I think Duggar played well in the past game after people were giving him crap last week. He made some nice pass deflections. Uh you know, I think uh, who was it? Jalen Mills got in the, got the easiest interception of his life. Yeah, uh, missed key <laughs> yep. throwing habit at that. But um, yeah, I, I guess it's. It, I think if our defense can build off what we had last week and you know have a really good game this week, and maybe you know uh, Judon can really come out of his. You know, he's gotten a sack every single week or whatever. So like, let's hope he can get you know one or two more sacks this week. Uh, you know, make make uh, life uncomfortable for Lamar Jackson, not let him get outside the pocket and wreak havoc, obviously, in the run game, uh, then I think, yeah, we'll have an, a, a chance to win this game in a tight one. But I'm going to put the score on it. I go 24-21 pass. Yeah, that's A. I, I hope that you're right. I think it's going to be another battle, obviously. I do think that the home field advantage is going to give them a little bit of a boost. I'm hoping to see something out of a Devontae Parker finally getting a home game for the Patriots. Maybe you actually get him involved. That would be huge. Uh, Yeah, the the Baltimore Ravens, they're up and down. I did predict them to win the Super Bowl, but after you lose in that comeback fashion to the Miami Dolphins, that kind of started to make me think about how bad that defense actually is. Their offense, like you said, their offense is fine. They're pretty solid on offense, but their defense, uh, that that could be a problem for them. So hopefully you get something from the Patriots on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I hope that they can, you know, build off, like we were just saying, that that win against Pittsburgh. I think that, like you said, the run game was solid and everything was solid, probably because the offensive line was actually solid in this one. That was what I was most impressed with. Cole Strange did a great job. Great pass protection. Great job with the run game. All five of the starting offensive linemen played the entire offensive snap count. They didn't have to get, uh, you know, there wasn't Ferentz coming in or any other uh, guys kind of subbing in for them. They were all ready to go, unlike in week one. So I was very happy to see that. On the defensive side of the ball, you had guys like Christian Barmore finally showed up and got a sack for you. He actually did some stuff in there. You had Jabril Peppers making some plays. I was happy to see him, number three, running around doing some things. Like you said, Matthew Judon, he's been doing his thing. He had one possession where every single play was Matthew Judon makes the tackle. Matthew Matthew Judon disrupts this. Matthew Judon in pass coverage against the, the running back. He breaks up the pass. Crazy stuff like that. So I don't need, first of all, I don't need Matthew Judon to do it all at once like he did last year and just burn his whole season right in the first five or six games. Ease into it. So I'm easing into it. I'm okay with that. Like you said, getting incrementally better. Uh, I would be happy with them continuing to just increase how they're doing things, not only on offense, but also on defense going forward. The one person that I'm real pissed about right now is the guy, the little guy that I wanted to do so good last year and Miles Bryant. I'm pretty convinced that he needs to be benched at this point. I'm, I'm sick of Miles Bryant in, in the – he can't even return punts now. Like you said, he we got a, another lucky muffed punt that just happens to go back into the end zone. You luckily get a touchback. Otherwise, that would have been a fumble and given them the ball back right at like the five-yard line, which would have been terrible. He's out there. He's missing tackles, even though he technically had the most tackles in the team on this game. I, I, I don't know. I like Miles Bryant. It's, it's a great story and all that kind of stuff. But I keep now week after week, I'm having more problems with this guy. And I know that it's because we had to move people around. Jonathan Jones, once again, I said this before, you move him from a slot role to outside, that kind of stuff. Now Miles Bryant has to have a bigger role. But that is my biggest problem on the team right now on the on the defensive side, at least. I, I'm, I'm upset with the Miles Bryant situation. Yeah, so Miles Bryant's situation, I think, is tough. I mean, like, I don't think he deserves as many defensive snaps as he's getting, and I don't think he deserves to even be our return guy. You know what I mean? I think uh, he did have a nice return later in the game, but, like, does that make up for the one that he dropped and almost cost no. the game? I don't think no. so. And it's like – and then to me, it's like when you're, you're looking at, like, usage and, like, guys that should be on the field that aren't in, like, certain situational stuff, it's like, it's like why can't we have – like, if you're not going to play – a guy like Kendrick Bourne, uh, you know, on at least like 50 plus percent of the snaps on offense. Why can't Kendrick Bourne don't return punts? 
I'm sure he's been go. doing it since he was in like youth football, mm-hmm. and I'm, and he's probably the most explosive offensive weapon that we have. So yeah. it's like, why are we putting some no name back there that's never heard? Uh, you know who looked <laughs> good returning kicks last week? Kyle Duggar. Why well, yeah. put Kyle Duggar back there? Keep him on the field on defense. Go go back and return it now. You know, because he looked great on that one return that he got the other day in the kick return game, and then. Uh, and then it's so, like we have all these pieces and all these players and everything that, that like I feel like we're just not utilizing, except we're using some no name Miles Bryant to return a kick or to go into the nickelback on defense. It's like it's like we have other guys, we have you know Jabril Peppers, we have Kendrick Bourne, we have uh, you know Kyle Duggar to do all these other jobs that Miles Bryant could do is try is doing right now for the Patriots. Like, why even give him that opportunity to get out there and try to but and, and take reps away from guys that are clearly better well yeah that's the thing is i mean he's getting he had the fifth highest amount of snap uh, the fifth highest amount of snaps in that game he played 67 percent of the defensive snaps and when we talked about how kyle duggar uh you know he he was playing uh, you know an okay game overall duggar only had 19 snaps in this game to uh to miles bryant's 49 he out miles bryant out snapped kyle duggar by 30 snaps I don't think that there was any injury as far as I know for Duggar. So I don't understand. Duggar did get banged up a little bit. I a little remember. bit. Okay. Uh, so maybe that's the like, only it reason. Was like his, I think he, I think it was his ankle or something. Like it's not a serious injury or anything, but I think that did affect the snap counts a little bit. Maybe that's why we saw more of Miles Bryant. But I still, guess it's, but, it's, it's, it's still too much in my opinion. I think there's other guys that give you more. Way too much. Like, so I'm, I'm Jabril Peppers getting, even Jabril Peppers getting in there. Yeah. Uh, I think gives you more than Miles Bryant. So I'm I'm upset with that. That's that's my one main thing. I I need uh, Miles Bryant on a, a very tiny role. That's that's it. He can be fine, good energy and all that kind of stuff. And if he gets better uh, with being able to just even fair catch balls, then I guess he can be the punt returner. But I don't understand why he's not benched. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. Big game against this Ravens team. You're at one and one right now. You think that we're going to be able to pull out the win. Obviously, it's all going to be around Lamar Jackson. Can you keep him contained? Can you force the guy to have to throw the ball? That's the obvious game plan. Everybody knows that. Can you actually do it, though? That's a whole different ball game. We'll see how things go. I think it's going to be another battle. Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I don't feel good about it, but I think that we can be in this game. I think the home field advantage helps. I think that the offense will get a little bit of a push from that. I'm hoping, like I said, Devontae Parker can actually get involved in this game. We'll see how things go. So you're predicting a win. I don't, I don't know if I can actually predict a win at this point. We'll see how it goes with that. I, I don't feel great about it, but uh, it's another two, game. Two other factors that I like going into the week are like, you know, We've heard all week that, you know, Lamar's been having the elbow soreness. You know what I mean? So I think they're going to have to rely more on his legs and his arms. To see, I mean, how many passes did Lamar throw last week? I mean, I think that was a huge change in load for him. And his elbow probably didn't respond too well to having to throw the ball as many times as he did last week. So, I mean, I think they're going to have to rely more on his legs. And I think that actually will help the Patriots in a way because – we are. We don't necessarily have a lot of great linebackers, so I don't think a lot of the linebackers will be on the field. So, if, well, if that's the if that's the case, you know what I mean. Then we are going to see more Jabril Peppers, more Kyle Duggar, more Miles Bryant, probably. Um, which I'm okay with when you have a running quarterback to have more fast guys on the field. Like you know what I mean. I think. Anytime you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar, I think personally, bottom line, if you have the faster DBs on the field against running type quarterbacks, they're going to be able to stop this guy from, you know, making the big play. You know what I mean? If he wants to gash us on, you know, six yard gains, seven yard gains, eight yard gains again during during the, the course of the game, I think we can manage that and we can bottle that up. And, you know, that's going to, you know, he's going to be taking more hits, which is going to be, you know, increasing his chances of either getting hurt or the or the offensive coordinator saying, oh, we need to ease up. This is early in the season for him to be running this much. Um, so I, I personally think if we had more DBs on the field that we we play, we would have a better chance of beating this team this week, uh, you know, especially if, if they're looking to throw the ball as many times as they did last week. Let's cover and let's make sure we get on the quarterback when he runs and with some speed on the field. Uh, hopefully the D-line can contain him and keep him inside the pocket. So when he does run, he has to run through the middle uh, and not and not let him get the edge in the sideline, you know, let him gash us and use his speed the way he can. So 
that would be my defensive game plan going in here. That's why the nice Patriots defense can hold them to hopefully 21 points or less. That's my goal for the Patriots defense this week is 21 points or less because I don't think we can score more than 20 No, I, yeah, I, I'm uh, with it. Uh, so I think a lot of Mac that, Wilson that my, and a lot of DB, know, a lot of uh, safeties out my, there. My so a lot of Jabril Peppers. Hopefully, you know Kyle Duggar, a lot of a lot of Adrian Phillips. Um, if if it needs to be Miles Bryant. And then I guess that is what it is. I want less of Juwan Bentley out there. I don't need as much of the big bruiser type. Yep, we don't want him. Um, so, you, you know, get, I, I agree with that. That's the kind of way that we need to be able to do it. Uh, get the faster guys out there so that they're oh. going to be able to tackle because you're going to have to stay with these guys. And, I mean, other than Mark Andrews, there's not anyone out there that's a beast of a human that you have to worry about having a big guy out there to be able to tackle, I don't think. So, uh, I, I mean, that's that's going to kind of be how it has to be. Uh, I think they have to watch out for that kid, Rashad Bateman. I think yeah, he's doing a really solid yeah. job. So, Right. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. about to say. Like, so that's we'll see how that there. goes. That's I know that they've had their banged up running back like, situations. We'll yeah, see if J.K. Dobbins finally gets out there. Yeah. That'll be another interesting situation for them as well. That's a huge weapon, I think, when he is healthy, if he is healthy. So, there's, there's a lot going on in this one. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be another t- tough battle. I think we can win. I don't – personally, I don't feel like we're going to win, unfortunately. But, hey, you're at one and one coming out uh, of the first two weeks. Even if you were to stumble against this Ravens team, I don't think you're in a bad position going into a week four game against a Green Bay Packers team that's shown that they're not that great anyways. So I, I, I like where we're at. I, I like where we're at, and uh, like you said, they keep getting a little bit better every week. We keep finding new things that are going to work for this team because it's always whenever it's a Belichick team, he just goes into the season with like, I don't know what's going to happen until I see a few weeks in there. So we got to figure out, we get everybody on tape, we figure out what this team can do. We need our guys to step up, and uh, I'm hopeful that they can. And I'm hopeful, like you said, maybe we can get Kendrick Bourne in there for more of a role as well, whether it's just returning punts or if he can actually get out there for more than, I think he had 24 snaps in this game. So I don't know. I, I need a little bit more out of the wide receiver group and, and we'll, we'll see what they can do. Um, but I am I let, just real quick. Lastly, I, I got to say the one, the one guy that I have been extremely excited and, and uh, happy to be wrong about so far this year has been Jacoby Myers. I had always said that he was kind of just more of a number three at best kind of guy. He's going to be a role player. He's a nice little guy. He can get open sometimes, that kind of thing. He is taking a huge step this year, and I'm very happy with the way that he has progressed. So I, I would dare say he's our number one wide receiver at this point. Like I thought Kendrick Bourne was last year. This year it's, it's Jacoby Myers. Are you as happy with him as I am? Oh, yeah, Jacoby's played great. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's just the, the role that he's always, uh, you know, manifested ever since he's been in the league. It's like he's been that uh, uh, Julian Edelman type player where he's not afraid to go over the middle and catch the ball in traffic and take hits. And we've always, Patriots have always had that guy. We've always had the guy who's like fearless when going over the middle and make the five yard catch for a first down when I have two guys draped all over me and all I have to do is catch a bullet and take a hit to get a first down, you know? So he's done a really good job Mm -hmm. at that. Like I said, I'd still like to see more uh, of a set where we can get maybe four wide outs in there. And then, you know, we could have a Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, and then Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar on the other side. I actually don't think that receiving core, although there's no number one threat, although there's no like crazy speed threat out there, I mean, other than Kendrick Bourne, really, yeah. Um, you know, I still think those four receivers, although not being no number ones, they're all number two or three guys. You know what I mean? So if you have four number two or three guys out there, I mean, I think somebody can get open for you. Uh, I, I think the guys that have not shown me a whole lot yeah. this season are the tight yeah. ends, man. It's like we have two phenomenal tight ends that we're paying a whole lot of money for that we aren't producing anything. Anything. Johnny Smith's done nothing. Hunter Henry's done nothing. You know what I mean? Give me right. something this week. So if we're going to keep the two tight end thing going here, but can we get any production out of these guys at all? Can we get <laughs> Hunter Henry to catch a ball? Can we get uh, Johnny Smith to, to, to block or do anything for us? Like it's going to actually benefit us in a win. Uh, and then like lastly here, just like Mac Jones, man, like, you know what I mean? I think uh, a lot of people have been like speculating, like, mm-hmm. is Mac, mm-hmm. can Mac Jones really throw the ball like everybody say again? Like, is he going to be the, I mean, we just watched two of light it up. 
light it up against this Baltimore Ravens secondary, man. Although we don't have those receivers, like I think I think Mac Jones, like if you really are gonna prove that you're a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in this league, then like let's let's see it this week. Let's let the kid throw it thirty times against this bad secondary and then uh right. Spread these guys out, like I said, with like a four wide look or even like a three wide look and a tight end that's that's nastied out. Um, I, I and then you run the and then you spread them out with the pass game and then you let a guy like Ramondre Stevens or mm-hmm. uh, a guy like uh, Damian Harris uh, run against a non loaded box and then really watch those guys go. You know, so that that's what I'm. Yeah, you got to be able to open it up, and uh, if we can get the wide receivers working, yeah, that makes a huge difference for our run game, obviously, and that's going to be a big factor uh, in this one. And and we'll see what Mac Jones could do. Obviously, the home cooking is always going to be better, so you know you you expect to get a little bit of a boost here, but um, we'll we'll see how things go. And I can't wait to be able to talk to you about it next week. Just uh just to kind of finish up the show, wrap up the. Uh, the NFL talk and everything like that. The the Thursday night game happened last night. Uh, we saw that crazy catch by that new kid Pickens. What did you think of that one? Is that one better than the Odell Beckham catch, or is the uh, the the George Pickens catch from last night um, not as good at this point? Would you say? I mean, that was an unbelievable catch unbelievable catch it might have been even a little bit better if you, if you want yeah. to say but like all i'm saying is when odell Beckham caught that football <laughs> with one hand the whole world stopped you, and i think everybody will remember exactly where they were when that catch happened i, I remember like <laughs> i had like 10 of my friends texting me like oh my god did you see what and then like twitter was like nothing but that True. you know what i mean it was it was everywhere and anywhere and the whole world stopped spinning for like, you know, 10 minutes when that catch happened. And I don't think I got that out of that. Penny. You know, it was a nice right. catch. It was a great catch. It was awesome. But it's like, you know, it was a diff. It, it was like never done before when Odell had done it. You know what I mean? So it almost gave that. Wow yeah. Factor. I would say that it's probably the best catch before, since then, but it's probably not awesome better than that catch, one. Like also, the fact that Odell's was for a touchdown know? that kind of puts it over the top as well, uh, in my opinion, but insane. Insane catch. I can't believe he even got to that thing. Uh, contorting his body, looking back, and being able to grab that ball. Insane. So, uh, oh, the best catch of the year. Unbelievable. Between preseason. Steelers in general just making crazy catches so far in this this year. You know, it's like uh, I think week one was it uh... – what week one, I think. Oh, uh, uh, what's his what's his name? Made, uh, made no, race. Claypool was it or no? They, they, good receiver was it Claypool? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. It might have been Claypool. Actually, yeah, it was Claypool, and he made, and he made that like unbelievable left-handed, one-handed catch on the sideline. They got it was, like, they got good receivers. Like, they got was, good receivers there. Uh, they always get good receivers, and that was the most upsetting thing. Pick and catch, maybe. It's true. Uh, it That's true. That, that the most upsetting thing about picking Tyquan Thornton for the Patriots is the P- Pittsburgh Steelers picked a wide receiver right after that. You knew that the wide receiver that they picked was going to be better than whoever we got. So I'm not going to completely rule out Thornton yet. We have to see what he's going to be able to do when he comes back from injury. But that that, that catch last night just uh, cemented the fact that Pittsburgh knows how to pick wide receivers and the Patriots should just go with who we got to get that guy off of Pittsburgh. Somebody has to bring him onto their team. We got to bring him onto our team so we can get wide receivers for once. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like, even when people were speculating about us getting Juju Smith in the off season, I was like, I'm down. They always have, they always have somebody who's like, like, they have three receivers. I feel like three or four years ago, he was like, it was Claypool. Like, you know, and then it became Deontay Johnson. And now it's already Uh, George Pickens. Like they're already just moving through wide receivers. It's crazy. I think, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are a few teams out here that are always getting really good receivers. Like if you look at like they're usually bad teams, but I mean like like Detroit Lions, they're always getting like crazy good receivers. Uh, Like even the kids they have now are uh, St. Brown. (laughs) Oh my God! And then uh, you know Buffalo's always getting great receivers and everything. It's like why can't the Patriots just like if you're not going to draft these guys, at least be like okay, like 
he's going to be a free agent next year. Why don't we pull him? From oh, Samuel? Do you go Samuel? Why don't we even go get the – Oh, no, for the, the Giants. Giants uh, there, uh, um, that's all this Kadarius right Tony now, receiver there. Um, Kadarius. No, for the Giants. For the Giants. New York Giants. Uh, what, who uh, else do they have? Galladay? Kenny Galladay? Him, it's, uh, he, was, he, was, he was just in an interview the other day. Um, and Galladay. Kenny Galladay. I was going to do a with a K. Kenny Galladay. Yeah. He uh, was all disgruntled the other day. And he looks – it sounds to me like he wants out. because They're not – they're just straight up not playing him. And I'm just like, he's like a yeah, number one receiver. If we can – we can trade Joe I'd, I'd be down. I'd be and down we for could it. trade like Nelson Aguilar <laughs> and go get that guy, dude. Like, give me a, get get Jonu out of here. Get 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 uh friggin' up. I would love that. That would that would be a great pickup. I doubt it'll ever happen. Uh, And the Patriots and and Belichick will continue to just pick what they think is the smartest wide receiver as opposed to the one with the most talent. Like when they could have had DK Metcalf, a freak athlete, but instead you go with uh, um, I'm I'm forgetting his name now, Henry uh, or Harry there, uh, Nikhil Harry. So I don't know. It's uh, it's always going to be a problem, but. We'll, we'll see what this Patriots team can do going forward. I hope that they can get somebody that's a good receiver at some point for Mac Jones. But I think that, like you said. Yep. Or, or even just get that kid back that runs really fast out of Baylor. I mean, like, get him back in the mix, and then maybe we can get something to, He's a twig. to him and everything. But it's like, of course, as soon as we find a kid who can – He's he's as thin as a, a twig. Yeah, he, the guy, you gotta put some body like, weight on the kid. Like, something. Right, I know that'll like, bring down the like, speed, oh, but man, the, the guy he has no he weighs nothing. So I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. Hopefully he can come back. But yeah. all right, that's gonna do it for today's show. I just want to say thank you for coming on, coach. We appreciate yeah. it. As always, I'll have you back on next week to dissect the Ravens game. And hopefully you're right. Hopefully the Patriots are able to take that one. Thank you for coming on. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of gambling talk. All right. We just finished up the episode with Coach Kamire talking all things about Ime Odoka and the Celtics. And then we also got into the Patriots and what we think is going to happen in the game against the Ravens coming up in week three. But now it's time for the gambling competition picks. I've got Matt's picks. Dan's cams. We're going to go through everybody's picks, see how the guys are going to be placing their money this week, including mine after a, a an absolutely abysmal card going one and four last weekend. So uh, brutal stuff. I got to get back on top of things just so that, you know, the standings currently after two weeks, we have cam leading at six and four. I am in second place, tied with Matt at four and six, and Dan is leading or picking up the rear, I should say. (laughs) Oh, geez. At three and seven. Tough week this past weekend for the guys overall, but we're going to get back on to the winning streak. I know it. Here it comes this week. So we're just going to start off. Uh, with my picks to get everything going, and then we'll go through the rest. We have a couple voicemails for Dan and Cam. Hey, y'all, it's Cam. We'll see what they pick. But I am starting off this week going with the Bengals, minus six at the Jets. I feel as though the Bengals are due off of an 0-2 start to their season. Yes, the Super Bowl slump or hangover is real, but these Jets are not. They're coming off of a fluke-come-from-behind win against the Ravens last week, and I think riding off that high, they're in for a good disappointment against a Bengals team that is extremely hungry right now. So I will take the Bengals minus six at the Jets. My next pick I'm going with is the Vikings minus six at home against the Lions. The Lions, another team riding off of a big high, playing decent through the first two weeks. But I think going on <clears throat> I think going on the road against the Vikings is going to be tough for them. Vikings really good at home in the first week. Then they kind of faltered last week. They're ready to get back on the win streak here or on track. So I'm taking Vikings minus six at home against the Lions. The next game I'm going with is Falcons Seahawks over 42 in this one. It seems like the battle of two offenses that nobody 
can trust at this point, but I think Atlanta has a little bit of something figured out, even though I have no faith in either one of these quarterbacks, but certainly not Mar Marcus Mariota. They're going to be able to figure things out, I believe, in a road game against the Seahawks, where Geno Smith will be able to score at home, and this game is barely going to cover it, but I feel like it's going to go over, so I'm taking over 42 points in the Falcons-Seahawks game. Next one that I'm going with is the Packers-Buccaneers game. These two teams have looked nothing like they normally look this season. You got two of the all-time great quarterbacks, the number one overall greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, leading a tough offense that's dealing with injuries and suspensions. Uh, his wide receiver core is not looking great right now. And then on the other side of the ball, you have a Super Bowl champion in Aaron Rodgers, the guy who has been arguably one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the league over the last five to eight years. This guy also not having a lot of weapons right now to work with. Some rookie options and guys like Lazard trying to fill out fill out the holes that Devontae Adams left. I still think that these point these teams are going to be able to cover a 41 and a half over under. So I'm going over in this game as I, I feel as though the Bucks at home are going to score more. They've scored either 19 or 20 points in the first two games. I think they're going to at least be able to repeat that effort, probably going into the high 20s in this one. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is somebody you can never count out, no matter who are his wide receivers. So give me uh, the Packers to score probably later on in this game after maybe faltering in the beginning and being able to cover that over 41 and a half points Packers Buccaneers over 41 and a half points is my fourth pick my last pick I'm riding with the Broncos at plus one and a half at home against the 49ers 49ers coming off of a high they are the probably better overall team but coming off of a high, winning with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're due for a letdown. They're going into Denver. That's going to deal with the altitude. Arguably one of the only real home field advantages in the entire NFL is Denver, just because of the Mile High Stadium having to deal with the altitude, all of that kind of stuff. I don't think that the uh, cringy Russell Wilson-led Broncos offense is going to continue to falter. I think they'll be able to handle this one at home and wake up and we'll see the actual potential of this Broncos offense in this game here. So give me Broncos plus one and a half for my final game. P Broncos plus one and a half at home against the 49ers. Those are going to be my picks for this week. Uh, like I said, terrible week last week. Went one and four. It was a brutal beat uh, having the Ravens at minus three and a half. Losing a 21-point lead going into the fourth quarter. We'll see if we can bounce back from that one. The Sunday night game trying to go over was a little bit rough as well. I thought that the uh, Bears are going to be able to score enough. They just barely couldn't. They got down to the goal line and weren't able to do it. But enough complaining about my picks. Let's get into Matt's picks. He also had a subpar weekend going 2-3 and three last weekend. Let's see what he's got this time. It looks like Matt is going to start things off. He is going with the Ravens. Minus three at the Patriots. He's betting against the Pats in this one. He thinks that this is a bounce back game for the Ravens. And that does make a lot of sense to me. Coming off of that tough loss to the Dolphins, blowing that huge lead, as I was just saying, they are due for a comeback. Patriots riding higher off of a win, so it makes sense to go with this one, even though I hate the pick and I hate Matt for doing it. Ravens minus three at the Patriots to start off his Picks. The next one he's going with is Jets plus six at home against the Bengals. He's going with the opposite thoughts that I had. He says that the Jets are riding high off of last week's comeback win over the Ravens. He thinks that that's going to propel them to being able to at least cover against this Bengals team that hasn't shown a lot so far. So he's going to take the points. Jets plus six at home against the Bengals riding high off of their comeback win last week. His third pick is going to be the Cowboys, plus one. Uh, this one, he is just feeling as though the uh, rush mania is going to continue, I guess, and he'll be, they'll be able to uh, continue their winning ways as the Cowboys look to hold on to a season in which they've lost Dak Prescott, but now they get to go up against a good 
uh, or a Giants team that has played really well through two games but could be pretenders. So he's going with the Monday night game, taking the Dallas Cowboys plus one in that one. His next pick is going to be the Chiefs. Minus six at the Colts. He's just saying that the Colts stink right now. Matt Ryan not doing good. So he thinks that the Chiefs are going to be able to wallop this team. I, I don't blame him on this one. The Chiefs have looked really good through two weeks, and the Colts have obviously not. So he's taken the Chiefs minus six at the Colts for his fourth pick. And the last one, he's going with Buccaneers minus one versus the Packers at home. Brady, he's not betting against TB12 again is what his reasoning says. Uh, he he can't do that. He is the number one Brady Bobo on the podcast. So the guy is going with his guy and uh, Brady and the Bucks taking Bucks minus one at home against the Packers for his last pick. So those are the picks for the two of us. Matt and I are different on a couple of picks, but that's all right. We'll see how things go. I've been terrible, uh, or at least I was terrible last week. So we'll see how things go going into week three. But next, we have the leader in the competition, Cam's picks. Let's listen to what Cam has to say uh, for his picks. Hey, y'all. Cam back with more picks of the week. Uh, we got three in college and two in the NFL again. We'll start in college. First is TCU minus one and a half at SMU. Uh, TCU's coach was SMU's coach last year, so he's very familiar with the team. And SMU's whole offense runs through one receiver, but TCU has two very good corners to keep them in check. Next is UNC minus one and a half versus Notre Dame. Uh, the North Carolina offense can put up 30 points against anybody, even the Notre Dame defense, which is really good, but Notre Dame's offense is terrible, and I don't think they can get to 30 against anyone. Uh, next is Oregon and Washington State, under 57 and a half. Uh, both these defenses have looked really good to start the year. I just think it's too high of a number. Now we'll move to the NFL. Got the Texans plus three at the Bears. Uh, I don't think the Bears should be favored by three over anyone. And it's also a Lovey Smith revenge game. And then last is the Cowboys plus one at the Giants. The Giants' pass blocking is bad, and the Cowboys are one of the best pass rushes in the league. So to recap, TCU minus one and a half. UNC minus one and a half. Oregon, Washington State under 57 and a half. Texans plus three, and Cowboys plus one. All right, those are Cam's picks right there. He also likes the Cowboys, and I also liked how he thought that the uh, Bears should not be favorited against any team in the NFL right now. That's pretty funny uh, and probably true, so understandable from him. Cam, like I said, six and four, uh, three and two in each of the first two weeks. We'll see if he has another winning week in him, uh, and if you guys aren't following his picks yet, then I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, back-to-back, three and two. So at least you're getting some winners out of him. We'll finish it up with Dan, his picks, uh, what he's got. Like I said, he hasn't had a great start, but that doesn't matter. He can always bounce back. Here's his week three picks. Clappy, week three. We're getting hot. Two wins last week. Trying to get a winning week this week. Uh, I'm going to start with two overs in the Detroit and Minnesota game, I love Jared Goff, over 240 and a half passing yards versus the Vikings. Vikings could get up big on them, but I think that's just going to be a shootout. Goff is putting together a pretty good year. He has weapons all around them. Love that over. I like Dalvin Cook, over 16 and a half receiving yards in that game, too. He hit that mark the last two games, playing against Detroit. I think they're just going to look for ways to get him in space. I like for them to really get him the ball. Uh, so that's two right there. Uh, my third prop, I like Devontae Adams, over 80 and a half receiving yards versus Tennessee. Coming off the dub week and no hunter run throw this week, they're going to be forcing them the ball the entire game. Expect a really big game out of him. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, over 15 and a half receiving yards versus Indy. I don't know why this line's always so low. He's hit it the last two games. They're looking to get him more involved in the passing game. Especially Mahomes, so again, you some new receivers. I love that. And I love AJ Dillon over at 13 and a half receiving yards. First Tampa Bay. Again, Rogers getting used to new receivers. Feels very comfortable passing to the back. Tampa Bay will give them all that short stuff. 
Some good ones there from Dan. Uh, sticking with his strategy of the uh, player prop picks, which has worked out in the past. We saw last year's champion and Andrew win with player props, so not a bad idea to keep going with that. Uh, I think that he is going to get used to it now. Third week going in, like he said, uh, he had two. He went two and three last weekend, so we'll see if he is able to step it up. Uh, gotten better each week. Will he be able to have the winning week this time? We will find out. All right. That's going to do it for the entire episode now. I appreciate everyone for tuning in, listening along, watching on YouTube. Uh, and if you are not following along on YouTube, yes, we have the channel going so far. So good. Uh, and I guess if you want to see this ugly mug, then you're going to be able to see it on YouTube. Just search the claptrap uh, if you're not. And if you are on YouTube already, I appreciate you. And uh, we will be back again next week to do a wrap-up. We'll get that show out on Monday, wrapping up the entire Sunday slate, everything that happened in the weekend. Hopefully it's a good thing with the Patriots. Hopefully uh, no more terrible Celtics news. We'll see how things go. Um, but it is what it is. All right, that's going to do it. I appreciate you guys. See you next week. Later. Later.